should the church be doing? It's an important question. We've looked at, uh, in the, a little while ago, we looked at what leaders should be doing, the kind of leaders we should be looking for, training and equipping. But now, what should the church be doing? And I want to read from John chapter 14, and I'm going to ask you once again, really pray that the Spirit of God will help you to actually understand what we're trying to say or what he's trying to say. And some of what I say will be a reminder for some of us. Sometimes, you know, the Word of God says we sometimes drift from, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it talks about drifting. And sometimes we just get off course, and I'm just wanting to remind us. And for some of us, it'll be maybe for the first time, some of these things, I think, whoa, maybe we need to do something about this. But I'm going to read from John chapter 14 and pick up from verse 8. And it's in response to Peter, to Philip asking Jesus, Jesus, uh, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And so we pick up in verse 9 here, then Jesus answered Peter, uh, Philip, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? This is an important statement. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? And that the Father is in me? The words I speak to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. It's the Father living in Jesus, doing what the Father wants. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Now listen carefully to this. Anyone he says, I'll tell you the truth. It's like an emphasis here. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. The question is, what should the church be doing? Now, before I read on, I just want us to remind you that Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. And he said, a body you prepared for me so that I could do your will. So Jesus needed a body to do God's will, the Father's will. And he only did what the Father told him to do. We'll read that in a moment, but I want to just pick up again. And I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And I only do what the Father tells me to do. I've come to do the will of the Father. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. And so what Jesus did on earth was the will of the Father. And he's saying here, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, anyone who believes in me, anyone who's trusting me, anyone who's, because trust has to do with commitment to follow. So anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. So all that Jesus did, we should be doing. That's what the church should be doing because now, the church is the body of Christ. He's gone up into heaven after his death, paying the price, his resurrection, those few days spent on earth, revealing himself to different people, and then taken up into heaven. And he left a body, a body to do the will of God. So what should the church, the body of Christ today be doing? He says, he will, what, has he, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. 
and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. I just want to read one more verse here quickly in the 15th verse. It says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And he said that in that same chapter two or three times more. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey my commands, etc. All right, so we're asking the question again, what should the church be doing? Well, Jesus said, I've come to do the will of the Father. And in response to Philip's question, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So it's very important that we understand that when people look at the church, they should be able to know what God is like. Now, we all know that, and I hope we all preach that, that to our congregations, that our people understand that when the people look at the church, they should begin to see something of what God is really like. I've come to do the will of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. All right, so in John five nineteen, Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father do. Everything that Jesus did that's recorded in the Scripture, that he and the Holy Spirit highlighted, felt was important enough to be highlighted in Scripture, recorded there for time and eternity. Those are the things that are important to the Father. He did everything, and he only did what the Father told him to do. He said in Matthew 26, 19, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said in John chapter 6, verse 38, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the, the will of him who sent me. So what Jesus did, his now body should be doing on earth. Remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 1, he says when he wrote to Theophilus, he says in my former letter or treatise of Theophilus, I, I, I wrote to you telling you what Jesus began, there's three words here, to do to, and uh, to, uh, to teach and to do. So those three words are began, to do, teach began do teach so began which means he's not finished he's still doing it what he started to do in his physical body he's now doing through the church his now body on earth and so it's he began to do so we should be doing what he did and to teach so we should be teaching what he te taught i hope that it's uh, clear to us and we've got to stop for maybe for a moment and just say, hey, if that's true, am I doing that? Is the church we're leading doing what Jesus began to do and began to teach? Are we still doing that or have we drifted? All right. So a good place to look at what Jesus began to do and what Jesus began to teach it's to go back to the scripture once again, can I just say this, and look at what the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself felt should be highlighted, recorded in the word of God for us today and for all of time and into eternity. Um, in John chapter 13, verses 12 through to 17, remember he washed the disciples' feet. He said that after that, he said, look, I'm the master, you're the servants, you've seen what I do. If I'm the master and I do these things, this is what I want you to do. And he said, I've set you an example. Now, an example really is that we look at him and we do what he did. So whatever we he, Jesus did, he was the example that we should be following. 
Now, I don't want to, over, I don't know if I can overemphasize that, but I don't want to just keep on saying the same thing. It's just that so much of what we're doing in the church today, somehow we just slowly drifted from, none of us would do that, I don't think deliberately, but there's a lot we do in the church and we emphasize a lot that Jesus never did or taught. And so we want to come back on course, make the adjustments by the grace of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's part of what I'm trying to share with you this morning. Okay, so in John chapter 6, just so that I, we don't look at this as works now. These are the works that come out of faith. But, but Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 29, this is where works start. The work of God is this, to believe in Jesus. So it's all by faith. It's all by grace. It's not by grin and bear it or doing better or trying harder. It's this faith in Christ, looking to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work all these things in and through us as we just keep on responding to the revelation of the Word of God that the Spirit of God is highlighting in these days again. All right, so the following must be included uh, as we ask the Father, Father, show us how we can cooperate with Jesus in being his body today. But maybe before I enumerate some of those things, I could just remind us of what are we talking about when we, when we, we look at the Bible and what the Bible says about the church that Jesus is building. Well, there's a number of things, but I want to highlight four little things first of, in, just in this part of the, the message. First of all, the church Jesus is building, he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's a church that's not always in defeat. If the church, your church, is always in defeat, going nowhere, getting nowhere, or always on the back foot, uh, no fruit, where the devil seems to be prevailing at every level, then that's not the church that Jesus is building. He's building a church that the gates of hell cannot conquer. They can come against it for a while, but they're not going to be able to conquer it. The second thing is the, G, the church that Jesus is building is, in, according to 1 Timothy chapter th th uh, 3, verses 15 to 16, is, is, is the pillar of tr of, and foundation of truth. Jesus is the truth. He said that in John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible is the truth, John 17, 17. So the church that Jesus is building, the pillar of and foundation of truth has to be all about Jesus, grounded in Jesus and in the Word of God. The Word of God, the truth, John 17, 17, your word, O Lord, is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The, the, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. So it has to be built around, centered upon, and, uh, and, and, and embrace uh, 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 all that's revealed in the Word of God. All right? Wherever it deviates from that, overemphasizes something that isn't Jesus and the Word of God, we're missing it. Anything that we ignore, leave out, we're weakening what Jesus is supposed to be building or what the church is supposed to be representing or doing or being. All right? Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the pivotal. He's the central factor of the church, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. And so the, the church that Jesus is building is empowered by the Spirit of God. It's not by works. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my Spirit, says the Lord. And so 
everything we build, everything we're doing, everything we're teaching has to be spirit empowered. And the spirit of God blesses truth because he's the spirit of truth. And he takes only what is truth and the, tr the word of God is true. When you are emphasizing something that isn't truth or isn't Bible, then the spirit of God cannot bear witness to it. It may sound good, but the spirit of God can't bear witness to it. I hope you're understanding that. So except the Lord build the house, we labor in vain. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 48, remember that Jesus, the, the scriptures say, that Jesus, God does not dwell in buildings that are made by, by men, uh, houses made by men. It, so the third thing then is that not only is, is, is it uh, the church that the gates of hell can't prevail against, it's not only the pillar and foundation of truth, but it's also his dwelling place, the place that God dwells in. As I just spoke to you about Acts 7, 48, God doesn't dwell in buildings made by men. He dwells in our hearts. Our hearts are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And put together as living stones, we are the church. And the fourth thing is, is that the, the church is the body through which God, by His Spirit, continues to work by the power of the Holy Spirit today. Those things I just want to emphasize again, because in other words, it has to be built uh, in, uh, along the lines of including what he felt was important enough to be highlighted and recorded by the Word of God. Okay, so please remember this, and I'm not too sure how far I'm going to be able to get with some of this in this first session, but we'll have another session after this. But uh, please remember, while I enumerate certain things that Jesus did, that we need to be involved in doing the same, that the church is participating in and uh, it, living out the example that he gave, we must not just see them as things to teach or things to just uh, implement. First of all, I want to just ask you to keep on worshiping God for the things that Jesus has done for us. These are things that there's a, there's a whole number of things I want to share with you. But always remember, we need to be praising God, worshiping for what he's done. And I'll, I think you'll see this uh, right now as I, I just share with you a couple of the the things that Jesus came to do. First thing he came to do, we've already semi-touched that, but he came to show us what the Father is like. As he said to, to uh, Philip, uh, in response to Philip's question, show us the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said in his prayer in John 17, 6, when he was speaking to the Father, he said, I have revealed you to them. So he came to show us what the Father's like. In other words, he, sh he wants to, us to understand how God the Father sees people. His attitude towards us, all of us, sinners and saints alike. His attitude towards sin, he hates it. But his attitude towards sinners, he loves them. He loves, he received, he accepted prostitutes, thieves, adulterers, scholars, beggars, the rich, the poor all who were willing to be changed by him. And that's what we need to be showing through the church, by our lives, in our togetherness and alone, that God loves sinners. He's not out to condemn them. They are only condemned by the rejection of him. But God wants to love them. He wants to bring them to himself. He wants them to follow him. He wants them to be changed by the power of the Spirit of God. So that's why Jesus became flesh. 
as, as John 3.14 says, is the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So in other words, Jesus fleshed out the word of God. And you and I need to be as a church fleshing out the word of God. We have to return to God's revelation in scripture of himself and Jesus the word. By that I mean we have to start to once again interpret all of scripture, the truth, John 17, 17, all of the truth through the lens of Christ, the way, the truth and the life. Scripture through the lens of Christ. And uh, so often I think, unfortunately, I don't know what the causes are, and I've been guilty of this myself, but I think that sometimes we've just misinterpreted and misrepresenting Christ, Scripture, and uh, what, what God wants to do in and through us today, uh, how He came to, and how He responds to people. So we have possibly just confused uh, his, God's attitude towards sinners with God's attitude towards sin. We reject sinners so often, we condemn them, we criticize them, we avoid them, uh, they threaten us. But Jesus, who was God himself, pure truth, was willing to mix with them. Even at the expense of Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders condemning him, criticizing him, finding fault with him, he was still willing to associate, no matter what the price, he was willing to associate with them. He wasn't harsh with them. Only those who were self-righteous and continually wanted to reject through their own self-righteousness. So uh, we've got to help the church and all those that follow us in our leadership to, to live out the Galatians uh, 6, 1 and 2, that you, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him Gently. Don't be judgmental. Don't be cruel. Don't be critical. Stop being harsh if that's what's happening in, in and through the life of your church. And that I mean by that all the people in the church that, that God has called us to lead. So the gospel is about grace and about mercy. It's about love. It's not about condemnation. And God wants to bring people out into. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, or one and only son, the only begotten son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have its everlasting life. And then it says in the 17th verse, remember this again, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Uh, remember the woman taken adultery? Remember the, the, the Samaritan woman at the well? I mean, these are amazing pictures of how God feels about sinners in their sin to bring them out. Thou shalt call his name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sin, out of their sin. Okay. So he said to Philip, 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 if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that's the first one. He came to show us what the Father was like. Secondly, he also came to set us an example in every area of our lives, as we read of in John 13. I've set before you an example. You can read, uh, if you go and also look at um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ. 
But read those Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7 again. An example means that we, we live out our beliefs and our values. And a lot of that is how Jesus lived it out. You'll find if you will take the time to just look at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through to 21. How you see how he deals with sinners, with different people, how he heals the sick, how he says that the Spirit of the Lord has come upon him, has anointed him to do these different things, which we'll look at in a few minutes as well. But read that, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through to 21. So why I'm saying that is because so many churches today are waiting for sinners to come to the church. And... Uh, The, the third thing that Jesus actually came to, say, to do was to seek, as we read of in Luke chapter 19, the Son of Man came to seek the lost. So we've got to stop just waiting for sinners to come to the church and thank God when they do. Thank God when our church is becoming that fruitful where the people in our church want to bring their friends, unconverted friends, hurt friends, hurt saints. They want to bring them to our church, knowing that more than likely there they'll encounter God and be safe from whatever they're involved in. So few churches do people want to bring their friends to the church anymore because they know that the, the, their friends would just be put off. So we've got to get out and, and also, yes, we want the church to, to be uh, like a magnet, a light. But, but we need to go out and look, at, look for, for people in the streets, in the highways, the byways. If you read through the Word of God, you see that any true New Testament church, one of its whole hallmarks will be evangelism, getting people to come to Christ. And that's part of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. So, yes. Jesus, now listen to this, and I have to close this session with this one, these next one or two statements. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. These are to fishermen. You'll stop fishing, doing what you're doing, and you'll start to become fishers of men. As one of the Bible uh, versions says, I will show you how to catch men. Now, if you follow close... To Jesus, the anointing for evangelism, even if you're not an evangelist, the anointing for evangelism, that magnet, will start to work and attract people. Someone has said, I think it was uh, Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody, one of them said, if you're not fishing for men, you're not following Jesus closely. Or maybe he said, maybe you're not even following him at all. So, the concern expressed in Mark chapter 2 verse 17 when he read, when it says this I have not come to call the righteous but sinner that concern to to call the sinners must once again captivate the hearts of leaders and followers in the church it's not about saints moving from church to church to who's got the latest little whatever's going it's about going out there and the lust coming to Christ so what should the church be doing? How these, little, these, these three or four things that I've just said to you now, the three things, how's that in your church? Just make the adjustments. Say, oh, Father, somewhere we've slightly drifted. Help us to come back. Yes, to show, us, show, to show the Father, set an example, and to seek the lost. 
And again, I'm asking, Father, for these that hear now and down through the, the years, that anyone who may listen to this will truly catch the heart of the Father and that you, by the anointing of the Spirit, would make us those that truly represent you and do what Jesus did. And I ask it with thanksgiving and praise for all you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings on you.